We're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18 uh, this week, and we are uh, going to be in verse 8, starting in verse 8. Um, fascinated by David, he's always been one of my favorite people in the Bible. I, I love David and, and who he is and what his life was. And we're going to get into chapter 18 and 19 and, and a little bit of 20 this week. And we're going to, we're going to skip ahead a little bit, but we're going to start in first Samuel 18 verses eight, and nine. And it says, and Saul was very wroth. And he was saying the the saying was dis, displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David 10,000. And to me, they have only ascribed uh, but thousands. And what can he have more than the kingdom? And Saul, I, David, from that day and forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning as we dive into your word. Father, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, that my words would not be spoken, yours would. Holy Spirit, take over this service. Prepare the hearts and minds of the people that are here to hear it. Open up our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So I want to recap a little bit. Last week we talked about David and Goliath. We talked about David and the bear, David and the lion, David and Goliath. So David, David, up to this point, and the, the, the guy's 20-something years old, he's lived quite a life, right? His, his father gave him the worst job. Right? When I was a kid, we all had chores. I had three siblings. There was four of us in the house growing up. Uh, we were rotten. We were not we 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 were bad. <laughs> it was a different era. We we were we were bad. But my, my mom had the four of us, and each of us had chores. Each of us had something to do. And in the summertime, my brother and I's chores would be outside. We would have to mow the grass, pull the weeds, do things of that nature. But in the winter times, we would still have to go out and shovel. That, that was our job, to shovel the snow. And I grew up in the 80s before global warming, and it snowed from November to March. There was snow on the ground in the Akron area, so we, that was my job was the shovel. And, and so each member of the family gets a job, and David got a job, and his job was the worst of them all. You're going to live outside and be smelly and carry a stick and take care of sheep. But he didn't complain about that, and he took that job, and he, and, and he did it to the best of his ability. He did what he could. He, he killed a bear. He killed a lion. And then when it came time, he killed Goliath. And, and here's the thing. Before this, so, so right before 8 and 9, the townspeople wrote a song, right? You ever, right? Anybody in here Browns fans? Right and re remember the the different songs over the years for the Cleveland Browns and that's how you cheered for them. People did the same thing for David. They said he's so great and 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 they write this tune. I'm not going to sing it because you don't want to hear me sing. I promise. I promise you, you don't. Um, but they they write this song for him and and the king says, "Hold on a minute." They're making in this tune. They're making him bigger than me. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's not, that's not good, right? You got to believe that at some point, David's standing there hearing this song, and he's like, oof, 
You guys are killing me. Literally, you're going to get me killed. Jumping ahead to verse 12, it says, And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. But that's not how that verse ends. It also says one more thing. One, one more thing. And he was departed from Saul. So not only could Saul see that everything that David touched, everything that David did, he succeeded in. He did really well. He was very successful. And Saul, the king, could step back and say, okay, God is obviously with him. And then as Saul took a step back and looked at his life, he was like, but he's obviously not with me. So the king takes notice, and he's afraid. He's afraid of David. So Saul does the thing that the king could do, right? In verse 13, therefore Saul removed him from him and made him a captain over a thousand. So he demoted him, right? That's what you do with somebody who's getting a little too big for their britches, right? You got to kick them down a notch, knock them down a second, hold up. You're not that good. I'm going to knock you down a second. In, in, in my imaginary world, he put him over a thousand people in the worst part of the world, in the worst neck of the woods, in the dirtiest, coldest, grossest. Okay, guess what? Because people like you just a little bit too much, I'm going to put you in the middle of the Sahara Desert. I'm going to plop you in the middle here, and you're going to be over these thousand guys. It was punishment. He punished him for being successful. Have you ever been there in your life where it feels like you're doing what God is calling you to do and you're walking the path? Have you ever been on that path where God wants you, right? And it feels good, doesn't it? But not everybody wants to see you succeed. Not everybody wants to see you do well. There is a saying out there about dads that a dad is the only man on the planet that wants to see you do better than him. Every other man wants to do better than you. It is so true. It is so true. In today's society, people don't want to see other people do better than them. Keeping up with the Joneses, I think, was the saying in the 80s, was keeping up with your neighbor. Well, the neighbor bought, so I have to buy. The neighbor put a pool in, so I, I, I have to put a pool in. The neighbor bought a Tesla. So now I have to buy, a, you know, an electric car. There's, we do this. This happens, right? First thing people want to know, do you have an iPhone? Or are you an Android person? Right? I, I, I'm not making fun of either. I, I, you will find out soon that I am an iPhone person only because you will see me with it. So you will know that I am. I don't think anything different if you're an Android person. I think you just like a different phone. But we as people, we do that, right? We do it in all facets of our lives. We do it politically. Are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Which one are you? Are you a liberal? Are you a conservative? We do that as people. 
right? We, we, that's what we do. We compare and contrast. Well, Saul was no different. The king is standing there, and he's looking at it, and he's saying, okay, I got to do something about this. He's getting a little too high and mighty. So he puts it, he knocks him down a notch. He, he, he puts him over a thousand uh, troops, and he went out and came before the people. In verse 14, it says, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Verse 15, wherefore, when Saul uh, saw that he behaved himself wisely, he was afraid of him even more. So it doesn't matter what you do to him. You kick him down a notch, put him over the lowest of lows. I believe David probably had to do KP, which is the kitchen duty. Nobody likes the kitchen duty, especially when you're out in the... You know, it, it, he tried to give him the worst of the worst. And in everything, David did it as he was doing it unto the Lord. My mother used to say that to me as a boy. She said, Mikey, go clean your room. And I would go in and do what every 10, 11, 12-year-old boy would do. I'd kick everything under my bed. Right? In the closet. Okay, don't open that door. <laughs> you open that door, stuff's going to fall on you. It's going to be bad. There are things that I put in my closet that I did not know were there after so much amount of time. I remember when we moved, I cleaned it out, and I was like, here's all my stuff. But that was my idea. And my mom would say to me, Mikey, you have to do it as you do unto Jesus. So do it like Jesus asked you to clean your room. And I looked at her in all my brilliance of a 10-year-old boy, and I said, Mom, Jesus doesn't care if my room is clean. All Jesus cares about is loving people, right? I was right. Jesus does care about that. Jesus wouldn't ask me to clean my room, Mom. Jesus wouldn't ask me to do something I don't want to do, right? Jesus wants me to be comfortable wants me to be happy, wants me to have fun while I'm here on this earth, right? That's, that's, that's Jesus's, that was Jesus' goal. He wouldn't ask me to do something I don't want to do. Do it as you would do it unto the Lord, and David did that. He continued to behave himself in a manner that God would be pleased. He did things. I can imagine David getting up in the morning, again, You'll figure this out. I got a heck of an imagination. I imagine Jesus getting up in the morning, getting down on his knees and saying, okay, God, you know where I'm at. You know what I'm getting ready to do. You're in control. Let's do this. And he got up and he went about his business and did exactly what God called him to do. So, In everything, in every battle he fought, he won. He killed over 200 Philistines. In verse 30, it says, The Philistine commanders continued to go out in battle. And as often as they did, David met with more, was met with more success than the rest of Saul's army. And his name became well known. Everything he did made him more popular. Everything he did made him bigger. Everything. Every aspect of David's life made him bigger than a giant. He was bigger than a bear. He was bigger than a lion. He was bigger than David, or than, than Goliath. He was bigger than them all. And now he's becoming bigger than Saul, the king. 
And sometimes on this earth, life will happen, and it's, it's going to be great. Everything we touch is going to be good. This is, this is awesome. I'm walking in this path, and everything is great. I love times like that. I call life a bit of a roller coaster, and as you're riding it, you know, there's times. You ever ridden a roller coaster? We used to go to Cedar Point as kids, and you would ride the roller coaster, and that first hill, tick, 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 tick. The anticipation. I've been there in my life where the anticipation of what's coming next, the excitement. And then I've been in that place where the reality hits and you go down. This life is like that. And David, right now, everything he does, God is blessing. Everything he touches turns to gold. So at this point, a certain daughter of the king takes notice of David, Michael. So now David is bartering with Saul to put down a dowry for Michael. He wants to marry Saul's daughter. I believe God is orchestrating this and dictating it because let's just be honest, Saul is going to be at a point where he wants to destroy David because he's getting too big. So if he marries his daughter, who's going to protect him from dad, right? My daughters, I have two daughters. Both of them brought their boyfriends home for the first time, and I made sure I was sharpening a knife or cleaning a gun or something fun like that to scare the daylights out of them. So the best way to get protection against fearful dad, king dad, is marry his daughter. What a brilliant move. God is in control. I want you to just be reminded of that as David is walking through this path. He is, God is with him through every step of the way. And God is orchestrating things and putting things in place that will protect David and keep David from harm. We're going to jump ahead to chapter 19 in verse 20. And Saul sent a messenger to take David. Okay, he sent a messenger to take him. And when... Uh, when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul. And they prophesied. Let me tell you something. When man tries to get in the way, right? Saul, the king who has all the control, we need to take David out so he sends messengers to get him. And here's how God works. They showed up. And not only could they not do what the king sent them to do, they fell on their face and began to prophesy because God, the Spirit, landed on them and they had no control over themselves. That's, that's God. That's what God does. When you're walking in victory, let me tell you something, church. When you're walking with God, you won. You're walking in victory. It may not feel like it. it we, we talked about that on how sometimes God puts us in a boat that's getting ready to get hit by a storm. Okay? Sometimes that happens. But right now, God is directing David to the point where everything is clicking. Everything is working out to his favor. Everything is, is, is building his legacy. They will, be, they will talk about him 
on Sunday mornings, 100 years from now. If Jesus doesn't come back 100 years from now, they will be talking about David in a church somewhere every Sunday. I guarantee it. That's his legacy. Is this, him walking with God and God walking side by side with him and them just crushing it. That, that to me, is one of the most exciting things that I can read in, in Scripture. Because sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we're killing it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we're, we're, we're knocking it out of the park. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we are sending it. We're not, it, it's, God, where are you? <laughs> I feel like I'm failing miserably. Sometimes it feels that way. But right now, man, I can, I can only imagine being David and how awesome it must have felt. God intervened when man tried to get in the way. And they couldn't resist the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God lands on you, you can't resist it, right? You can't, neither could they. The Bible says that if we don't praise, the rocks will. The people that were sent to destroy David, to ruin him, to take him from there, the people sent to do that very thing got there, and the Spirit of the Lord knocked them down. That is the God we serve. In verse 24, so Saul says, fine, I sent messengers to do it. I'm going to go do it myself. Saul shows up, saunters in. He's going, to, he's going to have words with David until the Spirit of God landed on him and knocked him on the ground. <laughs> and he stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all day and night. Wherefore they say, is Saul among the prophets, to where people are, are, are questioning the king. They're not in his private quarters. They didn't know what his plan was when he got there. The man shows up, the king shows up, and is knocked down for a whole day. The spirit took a seat on Saul's back and sat there and said, you're gonna, you're, not only are you going to sit here, but you're, the words that are going to come out of your mouth are going to prophesy over the one I have chosen. That is the God I serve. That's the God that I follow. That's the God that I chase. He doesn't lose. Ever. It doesn't happen. David was given a lowly shepherd's job as a boy. And in that, God walked with him. He was given the task of taking down a giant, and in that, God walked with him. He was given the power over armies, and God walked with him. He was demoted and tried to be made small, and God stayed with him. At every step of this life, of David's life to this point, God has said, this is the way this is going to go. And I don't, it does not matter 
what you do. This is what is going to happen. And let me tell you something, church. There is something that is awesome about being in that place where you're just completely trusting God and allowing God to be in complete control of all of it. Not just pieces of it, right? We are really good at giving God pieces. Amen? Right? Let's be real about this. When, When I was a young man, I had a very close friend. His name is Pastor Joseph Green. He's a pastor at North Fairfield Assembly of God. One of my best friends in all of this world. And we're sitting in the church. I'm sitting, this is what, okay. My wife and children made me late everywhere I went. And they made me stay longer everywhere I went than I wanted to. So at the end of church, we would, hi, is it? Hey, nice to see you. And I would try to corral these three rotten children and try to get them to the car. <clears throat> and we would be waiting in the car for somebody. There's my wife, <clears throat> my kids, one of my kids, I'm waiting in the car. So I'm sitting in the car, and I gotta be honest, can I be can I just be transparent with you this morning? I probably was not in the best mood. Believe it or not, I walked out of church grouchy. Don't ask me how I pulled that off, but I did. I walked out of church grouchy. I was sitting in the car. Waiting. Right? My friend pulls up in his car next to me and he looks just distraught. And he looks at me and he goes, I have to ask you a question and I don't want to. And I said, Brother, don't ever be afraid to ask me anything. Go ahead. And he goes, Did you die for God? I said, In a heartbeat. And he goes, I believe you. Why won't you live for him? And he rolled his window up and he drove off. I was like, oh, that's the meanest thing anybody ever said to me. And I sat there in the car and I actually started to get upset with him. Like, how dare he? I go to church on Sundays nights, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. I teach children's church. I, 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 I. Move chairs, I move tables, I, I scrape people's car windows in the winter. What more do these people want from me? And I realized as I was driving home and I'm running through all the great things that I do, that the one thing I didn't do is when I went to work, I convinced myself, well, they're paying me to be here. I can't talk about God in any way, shape, or form. Because they're paying me to be here and to do a job, not to talk about Jesus. So I, nobody even knew I was a Christian at my job. And as I sat there and thought about these things, I thought, does God really want me to be that at work? Is he really... I I fought, toiled with this. I realized that God, God doesn't just want pieces of me. He doesn't just want Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Mike. He wants me every day, in every way, in every aspect of my life. When I was 
13 years old, I wanted to go see a rated R movie. My brother agreed, he is five years older than I was, agreed to take me to said movie. And he looked at me before and he said, don't ask mom. Just don't tell her you're going. My brother lived by the mantra, it's better to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. That was my brother's life. He loved it that way. That's the way he did it. So he's like, don't tell her, Mikey. I said, no. Going to tell her. Walk out. I said, Ma, going to go to a movie. I said, okay. What are you going to see? I told her. She said, hmm. You going to take Jesus there with you? Jesus doesn't want to go to a movie. He wants to stay here with you, Ma. He said he wants to hang out here with you. I talked to him. He said he doesn't want to go. She said, he's going anyway. If you go, he goes. She ruined my movie. I still went. I would love to stand before you today and tell you that I made a great decision. I did not. I went to the movie anyway. Believe it or not, before I walked in, I turned and I said, Jesus, wait out here. And I walked in and I sat down and I hated every minute of that movie. I hated it. She ruined it for me. You know what my brother's statement was? You idiot, I told you not to tell her. It made it awful. You see, because at every step of the way, even though it doesn't feel like it, he's with us. Even though we, we might tell him, hey, Jesus, this place really isn't for you. You just hang out here. I'll be right back. Only take a minute. Because if we really believed that Jesus was with us, would we still do the same stuff? If we really believed that he walked with us no matter where we were, whether we were over 10,000, 50, 5, or if it's just your house, just your kids, is he really, does he really follow me everywhere I go? He does. He's with us every step of the way at every corner of our lives. He walks with us. He talks with us. He, that's his desire. When you read in Genesis about Adam and Eve before sin destroyed this earth, before sin destroyed everything, that was the coolest part of God's day, was coming in the cool of the day. And I believe it was San Diego, California. It was 70 and sunny all the time. I believe Eden was perfect, right? The, the smell, the... Uh, and in the, with that beautiful breeze coming in, God would come down and walk with Adam and Eve. That is what he wants. He wants to be with us all the time. That's the desire of his, of his heart. And you know what else is cool? You talked about grandkids as we were singing worship. You talked about grandkids. Here's the reality. I want my grandkids to be happy. There is something... Oh, that is just, medically speaking, there's dopamine that happens. And when I see my grandkids, it's the best high I have ever had in my entire existence. They're not a drug this world could make. 
to make me feel like I do when they smile and yell, Papa! And they run up, and listen, they're not just excited to see me, they're excited for what I have in my pocket, which is a lollipop. All right, and I make darn sure I am pocket full of lollipop every time I go over there. And one time I forgot, and my granddaughter looked at me and said, what's the deal? (laughs) You're here, where's the lollipops? Used to make fun of my wife because they would walk up to my wife and just pat her pockets trying to feel candy. And I used to make fun of her. I said, you're one of those people. You're one of them grandmas. (laughs) have a pocket full of candy everywhere you go. Now I'm that guy. I walk around with a pocket full of lollipops. It's fascinating. But there there is something, there is something there when, when you, when you, when you, I believe that's the way God feels about us. (laughs) That when we actually wake up in the morning and we, we say, Papa, I love you. Missed you. What do you got today? What are we doing today? What do you have in store for me today? Because, man, I'm looking at David's life and it's like, wow. And here's the reality. So David's a shepherd at the time and he's walking with his sheep and a bear comes and he snatches up one of the sheep. Did he have to chase it down? He did not. Just one. When the lion came, he could have went home and said, Dad, a lion came and took one of the sheep. There's nothing I really, it's a lion, Dad. What am I going to do? Bear. Did he have to kill Goliath? Did he have to walk up to King Saul and say, hey, I'll do it? He didn't have to do any of this. Did he have to follow Saul's lead and take over armies and kill 200 Philistines? Did he have to do... He didn't have to do any of it. None of it. He could have said... He could have said to God, not today. I'm not feeling it. Today, God, I'm going to stay in the house and play PlayStation all day. My day of rest, this video game, I've been trying to beat it for years. God, you know that. You've spent hours with me in front of it. Come on, I need a break today. Nah, I got something else for you today. He didn't have to do any of it. Could have lived a little life, a small life, kept himself to his sheep, then allow a bear and a lion to occasionally come in Right, weak moments, occasionally come in and steal and destroy and just kind of let it go and then next day do something else. Right? It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to go through all of that. Moved around, messed with all the time by the king, the guy that you're supposed to just protect and think highly of, and he's making your life miserable. He didn't have to. He wasn't forced. He wasn't made to do it. He did it. God's never going to grab your arm and twist it. Put it behind your back and say, we're going this way. 
When I was a boy, my mother would grab me right here. We would go. And wherever she wanted me to go, I was going to go. There was nothing I could do. That's not God. He's not going to do that. He's not going to, didn't make David do any of this. It doesn't say God came to David and said, here's what you're going to do, and I'm going to make you do it. I don't care if you want to. I know you don't want to kill Goliath. I know you don't want to fight Goliath. That's not what happened. David's like, I'm all in, and ran. He didn't wait. He didn't hesitate. He ran towards it because God told him to. I wanted to get a good viewpoint of who David is. Up to this point, up to this point in David's life, could you imagine asking David at this point, David, should you listen to what God tells you to do? I promise you that at, that, at this point in David's life, he would say, I'm not going to go to the bathroom unless God tells me to. Because everything God tells me to do works out wonderfully. I win. I win. At every corner. Where are you this morning? Are you anywhere along this path that David is on? It's the beauty of Scripture, guys. We can find ourselves in it. Ask yourself this question. What do you do before you make a decision. When I was in high school, I sat in a Sunday school class, and the guy's name was uh, um, uh, Dave Babick, was my Sunday school teacher. And he looked at me and he says, does God care what you put on your pizza? And you ask a 16, 15, 16, 17-year-old that, you live on pizza at that age, love pizza. That was an important question for me. Does God care whether I put bacon or pineapple on my pizza? I have found that you have pineapple people and then you have non-pineapple people. They don't like each other for the most part. (laughs) And non-pineapple people do not want pineapple anywhere near their pizza. Does God care? Does he care if I have a bowl of ice cream? Nestle's Quick. Nestle's Quick is the greatest thing in the world. It's, it's chocolate sugar. It's the greatest stuff in the world. It's like, sit there and eat it all day long. I, I truly believe there's, there's, there's chocolate in heaven. Amen? My, my mansion is made of chocolate. I'm going to enjoy every minute of that. Uh, listen, church, God's desire is goodness, but his ultimate desire is all of you. Not just bits and pieces. Not just the parts that we decide to give him. He doesn't want to walk with us when we're doing what, we, what he, we, he wants us to do and not when we want him to. It doesn't work that way. God... God's desire is for us to be happy. I do believe that. I do. He wants us to have the desires of our heart. Scripture tells me that. And I believe in Scripture. But I also know that life is sometimes going to be hard. 
what I am finding as I age is that as it's hard, it's better to do it with him than to ask him to stay home. When stuff gets hard, he doesn't want me to run from him. He wants me to run to him. And church, I can promise you this. If there's one thing I can promise, it's this. Sometime on this earth, it's going to get hard. We're going to lose people we love. We're going to lose things we care about. It's going to happen. That doesn't mean he's not with us. It doesn't mean that he's not standing beside us in us, through us. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to walk like David in the full knowledge and trust that God is in control and that it doesn't matter what army, what giant, what lion, tiger, bear, doesn't matter what you put across from you. doesn't matter. God is still God in his plan and his purpose for you. Feel sorry for a human that gets in the way of that. Amen? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, God, and we ask that you, God, you would help us to be more like David. Help us to be more like, more like a, a, a guy who runs towards It doesn't run away. It doesn't hide. God, give us your strength. Give us your wisdom. Give us your power. Give us your love. Give us the tools we need to do the things that you have called us to do every day of our lives. Let your grace be sufficient in today, tomorrow, and the next. Be with us this week as we go. Keep us safe. Give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In your name we pray, amen and amen. One last thing before you go. I want you to tell you a quick story about an eagle. A bald eagle is one of the only animals that does not hide from a storm. A bald eagle will stand and spread his wings and face the storm. He will face right into the wind. And as he spreads his wing, that wind will lift him above the storm. He doesn't hide from it. He flies over it. And when the storm comes, you have to ask yourself, will I be the type of person that hides? Or will I be the type of person that stands with God and spreads my wings and says, God, it's all you. I want to be like that. I want to be just like that. As the storm comes, face it. Spread your wings. And know that God is in control. Every part of it. Every piece of it. As long as we trust and allow him to stay in control. It might not look the way we think it should. Because I can promise you, David never said, man, this is exactly what I thought would happen. The king would, would get angry with me and demote me like that. I... I bet he had some justifiable anger. You ever been justifiably angry? 
You're justified in your frustration. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change a thing. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we pray a blessing and a benediction on this service. Father, I pray for each person that's here today. Give them your strength as they have to traverse through this week. God, give them the tools they need to succeed and to be your child and so that the world might know that we serve you. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor for the great things you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Blessings, church.